Welcome to the Teach Strong Talks podcast. My name's Sam Hart. I'm a primary school teacher on a mission to help school staff discover truly effective approaches to wellbeing. And this show is all about tapping into the knowledge and experience of real experts who can break down the research and the tools that we can apply to our everyday lives to feel happier and healthier. Today I'm chatting to Helen Whitty. Helen is Head of Learning Support and SENCO at an all-through school. Helen shares openly about having ADHD and is passionate about supporting other neurodivergent educators. She is active on social media and regularly writes blog posts to share information, tips and resources to help others. This conversation actually came about because a member of my family who also has ADHD and is a teacher suggested that I invite someone onto the show that can offer support and ideas for those who are working in schools and are neurodivergent. During our conversation, we talk about Helen's passion for supporting adults and children, what ADHD is, how it affects her day to day, and the advice she'd offer anyone with ADHD, anyone that recognises symptoms of ADHD in themselves, and more broadly, including anyone who works in a school. Enjoy this episode with my guest, Helen Whitty. So hello and welcome to you, Helen. Hello, nice to meet you. You too, you too. Um, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for giving up a bit of your, your time. You're tuning in from school, aren't you? How was your, how was your day? Uh, probably, <laughs> as you could tell by the hair, uh, it was a very busy day. It doesn't feel like the first day back after Easter. Um, so, you know, things are just back to how they have always been. Um, trying to get back into routine. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's really nice to be here. This is something very, very different for me. So I'm really looking forward to it. Good, good. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to chatting with someone that has your, you know, passion for the for the topic that we're about to chat yeah. about, and clearly the uh, the knowledge as well. And mm-hmm. you're 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 really keen to support others. And so, yeah. well, your mission is to support others as um, you navigate life as a neurodivergent teacher. And so, I'm really pleased you agreed to come on the show and talk about your experience and offer tips to the audience as well. Mm-hmm. But perhaps before we dive into some of these ideas and some of the tips that you'd love to offer then could you before that sorry could you tell us a little bit about your your current role in in education you know what do you do at the moment yeah so I'm a SENCO so special education needs coordinator um and I actually work in a in an all through school so I work with students from age four through to 18 um I've been doing this particular role for a couple of years um so I do all of the usual things that a SENCO does um, and given that I am a neurodivergent teacher, and I can talk about this later, um, I it has helped actually. It's helped in my role to to really understand the kids, a lot of the kids that I work with. So I manage the send register, and as you can understand, working from four to eighteen, there's a lot of students that I have to manage, um, and I run all the statutory duties as well. One would assume that having that sort of role, which is a big role, um, that I would credibly organised. Problem is with me, most of the organisation is in my head and I don't always share it with everybody, but I have an absolutely wonderful um, Ascend manager who, who she sort of does that side of things. She looks after the really nitty gritty of everything and I just pretend that I run the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but, but what's important to me is I teach as well and I would always want to teach. So I teach A-level economics. And that's my other big passion because actually there aren't enough women in, um, in economics. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I teach quite a lot. I still teach two days a week. I absolutely love it. 
Um, and I don't think I could really do my job as well unless I was in the classroom. So I can't really say to people, you need to do X, Y, Z if I'm not doing that myself. Um, and I've been teaching for 20 years. Um, and I don't plan going anywhere because it really is the most amazing job. <laughs> I say that to new teachers all the time. This is the job, right? This, this is just, it's just wonderful. I mean, it's not like, it's not hard. <laughs> it is, as you can see by, you know, what's going on with my hair, it could be quite a, a trial at times, but it is a enormous privilege to do yeah. this job. Enormous privilege and, and worthwhile. And, you know, yeah. what, what worth doing is not difficult. Um, of course, it's going to be difficult and having its ups and downs, isn't yeah. it? But um, wow, what a, what a variety. And like you said, um, the <laughs> fact that you've got your, you're still in the classroom and work yeah. with pupils and, and that means that I'm sure that informs so much of your your kind of practice and your recommendations and all those things. But you must be so busy because, you know, I can see what you say, put on social media as well and that's yeah. always very detailed and you're very kind of consistent. So yeah, that's part of the um, the good part of ADHD is that when you get into your hyper focus, mm. I could just go on forever. I just honestly, I don't have a cutoff switch. Yeah. Um, I have to have people to help me implement my, the cutoff switch. Um, if it was appropriate, I would show you my office, and then you realise that what's behind me is just a bit of like a facade. Actually, the whole room is a bit of a bomb site. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it is hectic. Uh, I, people say, can I speak to you for a minute? No, <laughs> you can't speak to me for a minute because I don't have any minutes. And a conversation with me is never a minute. It's not about half an hour. And then I find myself just constantly on the phone to people going, I'm really sorry, I, I meant to ring you, but uh, most people are, are very understanding, though. Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, as you can gather already, this is my, this is me. Yeah, this is my personality. This is just like the way I am. Um, but everyone's. Uh, the vast majority of people are very understanding of that because I do do my job. I just might do it very differently to other people. Yeah. And, and that's, um, that's why I wanted to have this conversation, just, you know, my little bit of impact, I suppose, that to kind of elevate this conversation around neurodiversity. Yes, and the fact that, yeah, Are we talking enough about the fact that there are teachers, um, with a new neurodiversity that are teaching and are we supporting them enough? But I don't know, perhaps, I mean, you can, Tell me your thoughts now, or we can come back to that later in the conversation. Yeah, um, I, I think we're getting better. Right, right. I think I feel like we're getting better, um, and I know that I talk about it a lot, and I try and encourage other people to talk about it because that's the only way we're going to get rid of the stigma yeah. um, is to be open about it. Now, but when you're when you're teaching, your life uh, and everything about you is it feels like it's so open to the students anyway. I really understand why you might not want to open up and go, yes, I have ADHD, yes, I'm autistic, uh, yes, I am dys dyspraxic, you know, because there are parts of your life that you might want to keep to yourself. Mm. But I found it much better when I decided to be open with the students because, to be honest, it's not like they hadn't guessed already mm -hmm. um, because they then, they actually are very supportive. They will do things for me like, Miss, you said, tell us when it was five minutes, you know. Miss, you said, I, we shouldn't let you do this. You know, and I just found that when I was decided to be open about it, they a lot of them decided to be the same way. Mm. Um, but we are getting better. I think um, we are slowly getting to know more about women, particularly with ADHD. Um, vastly, and I don't care what the news says and what the statistics say, but it's vastly underdiagnosed in women, in my opinion, because we mask it so well. I was going to say we, that's obviously the royal we. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, there's a lot more to be done. But I think there are signs that we're starting to take notice more. Yeah, yeah, good. On adults the, on the right path, would you say? Like, yeah, lots and lots to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I certainly noticed amongst sort of my community and my friendship group, more and more people talking to me about it, um, or sometimes they have no choice because it's something else I get in trouble for um, is diagnosing people. So I'll go, hmm, you haven't realised you might have ADHD. <laughs> so just try to open up the conversation and, and make it all right to talk about it because it is absolutely fine to say I have ADHD. It, yes, it's a mental health condition. Uh, yes, actually, the majority of time you'll see the funny side of me and the very lighthearted side but there are parts of it that are very difficult to manage. Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest thing in the world at all. Um, so, yes, I'd say on the right track, but lots and lots more needs to be done to raise awareness and to support people to, to feel confident to say, actually, I've been having a look at the symptoms. I think yeah. that I could be, you know, what, which, whichever, whatever it is. Exactly. And, yeah, kind of speaking from personal experience as well, it seems that some people that, they've kind of got to their mid twenties, their thirties. Mm-hmm. And then it's when that they've been either they've given that diagnosis or they've had a friend or a family member or a colleague or something say, well, well, maybe, you know, this is a route that you could find out a little bit more about. And then things have just clicked and they've maybe had that mm-hmm. diagnosis and they've seen a doctor and kind of things make sense. Like, Oh, right. The, the, the way I've been acting for the past, however many years, <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. And the, the, you talking about being more open. Well, well, that's, that is the result of it, isn't it? The fact if we're more open about it, then this is what can happen. People can feel supported and that's what yeah. we want, isn't it? And how many thousands of different facets of health and well-being are improved if we're just a bit more open about it? <laughs> yeah, just 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 talking about it a little bit more really helps. I think sometimes you do have that light bulb moment with these things, like you were saying. So for me, it was a little while ago, um, we had a lady came in to do some training and she when she was speaking I, I thought she sounds like me you know she just sort of and her body language and everything I thought god it's just like I'm standing up there and I, I, I'm doing the talking and then she said and uh, oh and I have ADHD and I went oh right and I, I went and you know went and had to look and sort of went oh my god this is, this is definitely me it was real yeah and I, she's a friend of mine now she's called, she's called Pippa Simu she's the most wonderful woman ever and she's taught me um a lot um but it's her people like her and me and just just feeling you've got the backing to be able to go yeah I, I, I'm going to be open about this mm. um I think I'm neurodivergent um what can be done to help me and knowing you can go to because I, I can talk to I feel like I can talk to anybody on staff actually and say um yeah I'm, I'm really sorry about that but what I'm going to do to help you to you know so I know I've made a mess of that to support you with that, this is what I'll do instead. Um, but and no, and have them know that it's not because I'm not intelligent or you know any, or anything like that. It's just my brain is working a lot very differently to how mm. theirs does. So I will get there in the end, but I'll just take a different path yeah. to everybody else. Um, and that understanding is to have people not judging you for that is is a is a lovely. It's a lovely feeling mm. to have, so you know that you can really say, 
I'm struggling or actually I can't get myself, I'm procrastinating so much today, but I, I can't help it. No, I can't focus. I can't do this and have people be able, people say to you, we understand. How can we help? It's, it's, it's an amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah. How supporting must you, must supported must you feel? And what a great example, the fact you, you've got a real life example of the fact that that lady stood up in front and, and said, I've got ADHD and that kind of gave you permission yeah. then to explore it. It did. Mm. And I, yeah, I just sort of went, wow, okay. And uh, and then, yeah, and then it just sort of from then it was um, everybody a, a domino effect of everybody going, you're really not telling us anything we didn't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Um, so uh, I wouldn't mind going back to uh, one little thing that you mentioned. You talked about how you can be hyper-focused. And, and that's something yeah. that I am... Um, I was listening to another podcast recently and and that's something that they mentioned that maybe is it kind of a common misconception that if you have ADHD, you can't focus on anything. Whereas while on this podcast, they were saying, well, that's not true. People with ADHD, they they can be hyper-focused on something, Mm. but it's probably something that you're interested in or passionate about. And then you can be really zoned in. Um, So it's not that someone with ADHD can't focus at all on anything. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. That's right. It's it's like um, yes, I can. Yeah, we, we can focus. Usually, it has to be something that interests us, it, and and it's and I can't. You can't help just. You can't help being switched off from something. It's not a conscious decision. Say, if I'm sat in training to go, oh yeah, I'm bored of this. I'm not going to listen. I really do want to listen, but I can't because a, I don't know. A pigeon has just flown by, and that becomes the most important thing ever. Um, so. The, the thing with us, and my experience of it, because obviously we're all different, is that we actually focus too much. You know, we we focus on everything. Um, and it's that, you know, constant feeling of, like, I really need to think carefully about this. But part of your brain's going, yeah, you're not, though, because you're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner tonight. And I joked a little bit earlier about that idea of, of, of hyper-focus, and, and, and a lot of us call it a superpower. And it can be. So you can be... I can really zoom in on something that takes my interest. Like it might be, I'm doing a master's, so it could be some of my master's reading. Uh, it could be writing an EHC plan. It could be anything at all. And I find myself completely in the zone. And yes, it's great because I can get my assignments done at the last minute, uh, fly through it. But there is a big downside to that, mm. and that's burnout, absolute exhaustion, because I, it, my, the ripe old age, although I don't know it, of my mid-40s, um, I still don't know when the cutoff point is. I still have I still have to have my husband switch the Wi-Fi off. I still have to have friends going, you're not doing anything. You'll sit there, right, and you'll write three things that you're going to do in the next hour, and then that's it. I've got no – I still can't get that, and I will work late at night or I'll get a bit ridiculous hours in the morning because that's when it kicks in. That's the mm. woof, right? But then sometimes I'll have that woof moment and – get to lunch at school and go, whoa, I'm do- I feel like I'm done. I just can't do anything now. Um, so it is that, it's that stereotypical um, view that actually we have of, of kids as well, particularly boys, of, oh, they just run around all the time. You know, like they can't sit down. You know, they're always on the go. And yes, okay, they are for a certain amount of time, but that really does, uh, it's not the best view of students because, there is a payoff for them with all that activity. You know, there's mental health issues, there's anxiety. And I think we also, the idea of ADHD, people with ADHD being lazy or they procrastinate. And yeah, there is an element of that, but it's not like we sit there and want to go, 
oh, actually, I'm just, I'll just sit here and do nothing. It's you physically, it's like being trapped. It's like, it's like I, I want to do this, but I really can't. And things like we are, we can be notoriously bad at financial management. So I'm looking that my husband does all of that for me, but it's the, it can take, it can sometimes take you all day to work up the courage to make a phone call, you know, get into that place where I can make this call or I can send this email now. Um, so while yes, there are the, the crazy times and we've seen is very, very fun and, you know, we are, you know, a lot of us are, but it's still, still really tough actually a lot of it's really it's really tough to manage yeah and I guess there's a lot of um learning how to regulate I don't know if that's the best way to put it and I suppose that's um in the the general population like if I if I can put it like that as well yeah how how do we regulate because of course we see burnout and we see stress and anxiety and everyone don't we for that same reason that they are very focused and don't know when to switch off but you yeah it's interesting i think i've i've tried i've tried to get better at it Mm. um over the years um and i think having a supportive network around you're building a supportive network is good as well so um as it says earlier like my husband will do he'll he'll turn the wi-fi off he'll just say no come on you've been sat on that computer for ages um but i i try to do more i try to plan out my time better so i will go okay between nine and 12, I'll do emails. And then between, you know, I'll sort of try and structure my time as best mm. as I can and then stick to it. But I also now factor in time for me, even though this job um, is all consuming. Um, I still try and, and say, right, I'm having 10 minutes now and I'm walking around the school in the fresh air. Or I might take a couple of kids with me out of our hub. I might say, right, we're just going to go and have a quick stretch of the legs. And more often than not, they'll go, oh, brilliant. And off we go. Um, or I might do, um, sometimes we do just dance, <laughs> you know, uh, so we'll do just dance and, uh, and I get involved in all of that. Um, and it is just finding um, little pockets of time where you feel you can do something that's just for you. And it isn't just neurodivergent people. It's all of us in education at the moment because it has become all consuming. We are, there is the, the, the line between home and school blurred, didn't it, mm. during covid yeah. And all of us have experienced that shared trauma and all of us are trying to get to find the happy medium again. Um, so, yeah, I think what we have to learn to be is a bit more selfish. Uh, and it's always something I've struggled with. That's another thing is, um, you know, sort of another stereotypical view is, well, we don't take things seriously. And it's not true at all. We take things far seriously and we are far more perceptive and intuitive than, than people think. That we are just, we just sort of, you know, take things on face value and we don't think deeply about it. Yes, we do. Um, because one of the things I was going to mention later was um, our, we're very sensitive to rejection. We're very sensitive to people saying, oh, you're not doing that right. Oh, well, you know, that's not the way I would have done it. It's a really big thing for us. We're very, very emotional. And there's a lovely side to that because, you know, I, I like to think that I'm like really caring and, and like to look after um, people and support them. But I, But the moment someone sort of, says to me, I guess my back up immediately. Oh, that wasn't done right. Well, you what? <laughs> <laughs> I think I find you wrong. Um, so taking feedback as a teacher over the last 20 years has been, has been quite a tough 
I still don't do it very, still don't manage it very well now, but it's, it's been a rough ride because initially I'd be like, it's the end of the world. Mm. You just told me you didn't enjoy my lesson. What am I, what on earth am I going to do? Um, and I just never realized why people would say to me, what are you making such a big deal out of it for? Because they're like, they just brushed it off. And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't sleep last night because they said I overran by three minutes. You know, something, it can be something tiny. Yeah. We just take it so much to heart. Yeah. And it seems much, much bigger um, to you and can be quite it hard does. to recover from. And Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's what I spend a lot of time working with staff on as well is that children can you know children can be incredibly resilient but the students that I work with if you if they see a change in your body language and they, they um or there's a difference in the tone of your voice you don't even have to raise your voice to them but the difference there because they're so hypersensitive um you know they, they pick up on things really really easily so I say please don't raise your voice at the kids that I work with because all right some of our kids might be able to go oh, whatever, she's just, she's just you know, shouting her mouth off again. I don't care. But actually, for my kids, it's uh, it'll stay with them for a long, long time, weeks, months, forever. Um, so being sensitive and caring, you know, and, and supporting each other is just something that's got to run through the school, hasn't it? Um, but, yeah, it, it's one of those things that I think that's one of the things that really does wind, wind me up, mm. honestly, is that we are just just a bit daft. Um, and and don't take things as serious as we should. Well, I wouldn't be doing this job if I didn't take it seriously. Right. You clearly do um, take things seriously. I, mean, yeah. I can see that. that yeah. well, <laughs> Sorry, yes, I do get a bit like... No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> And already you've offered some some fantastic tips that I think can re- really apply to anyone yes. when you talked about um, um, blocking out your time. And that's something yeah. that I do in the morning and I'll write down specific times. And I realise yeah. this doesn't work for everyone, but I will say, okay, but between 9 and 10, do this. Between yeah. 10 and 12, do this. And that works for me. But I also really like the point that you made about blocking out time for fun. Mm. And that's something that I am guilty of not doing. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I wrote it in my little um, planner, my little notebook that I've got in front of me, actually, um, that when I plan the day, um, just occasionally write, enjoy yourself in big capital letters uh, yeah. and underline it. Because exactly. we forget to, don't we? And you made the point about being a bit more um, a bit more selfish. You know, we, yeah. we, we, we hear that um, term self-care and although it's, Sometimes maybe not used in a way that I completely agree. <laughs> I completely understand the reasoning behind it. And um, well, there's an author called Scott Barry Kaufman, or Kaufman, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right there, <laughs> whose book I'm reading at the moment, and he talks about healthy selfishness. And right. that's, what we, that's yes. what we mean, isn't it? You know, healthy selfishness, yeah. where you are looking after yourself that's not at the detriment of anyone else. You're not yeah. neglecting anyone else, but... Of course, we all need that time for ourselves um, to to recharge, to re- relax, and to to be the best version of ourselves. And that's nothing to feel guilty about. No. So I think your your tips already have been fantastic. Yeah. It's it you know, and it's always the first thing to go when you're mm-hmm. looking at oh god, I've got to ring so and so, I've got to write this report, I've got to do this. You get rid of your own break, or I get rid of my lunch, or you know. And I think actually, that's not how it should be. It should mm-hmm. be sacred that amount of time and yeah you know as teachers and, and I know for me like I'm involved in the operational life of the school so there might be an emergency at any moment and my whole schedule is out the window which for me brings lots of challenges so I will deal with it I can in the moment I can I'll deal with it I'll be put my sensible head on get it sorted out but then afterwards I have to really sit and go right 
this has happened. How are you going to work out the rest of your day or for the, re- the rest of your week? Mm-hmm. And that's when it can become a bit, I get like really sort of anxious about it. How am I going to manage it in that trying to get, trying to just <clears throat> rationalize it with myself and think about, you know, what the, uh, one of the um, things I did learn um, quite early on was about the different parts of the brain. And actually it's me trying to talk to different parts of my brain saying, no, you're just thinking completely rationally here. This is not how it's going to go. Be more sensible, you know, and I think that would be one of the tips that I would say to people is if you think you are dyslexic, ADHD, whatever it might be, I'd say learn about the brain and learn about what the different parts of your brain do and what the prefrontal cortex does and what your amygdala is in charge of. And and I teach this, the, the students I work with this sort of stuff as well. And, uh, and and they love it. So they know, some of them that I work with, like know what their diff- different areas of their brain are responsible for, and that helps them. And I know it's helped me a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. All really interesting. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> Let's learn about our brains. That's what I'm trying to do as well. Um, it's, it's really interesting. You don't have to be a neuroscientist or anything. No. You just have to know the basics. Yeah, because when you have got that understanding of, okay, rational, irrational, and that, I mean, there's links with spirituality and things, I think, mm-hmm. here, and meditation and, and all mm-hmm. these things. The fact that we are detaching from that thought, it's just a thought. Like, getting worked yes. up when a, when a timetable changes or when mm-hmm. a plan changes, I can mm-hmm. completely empathise with that because it's something that I um, I get um, anxious, I suppose, is the yeah. best word to use. If something yeah. changes last minute, I don't really like it. And like you said, if, if, you've, if we've all got a bit more of an understanding and a... Um, if we can be a bit more gentle with ourselves when that happens like okay i am yeah. feeling a bit worked up about that but but what can i do what can i yeah. do next and and that takes training doesn't it, it takes work it, it does and that's um and it's trying to support the students with that as well you know sort yeah. of modeling to them because they have hundreds of times seen me going oh my god what are we going to do this has just happened everything's kicking off and they'll go right miss you need to calm down. <laughs> but you do have to, it's all right for them to see me like that because then I'll recover from it and they'll see me take a little bit of time out or they might see me writing down a few notes or, mm. or going out for my little walk and then see those sort of things and go, actually, she, you know, she's managed to calm herself down and she, she's managed to find a way to, to cope with that. So while we have to show the children that, um, it's okay to be neurodivergent. I suppose it's also um, showing them that what the difficulties are that I, that I and, and we cope with as well, you know, because we're as human beings, we're all, you know, going through life as tough enough sometimes as it is, mm-hmm. and we all hit hurdles, but how do we how do we sort things out and get ourselves back on even keel again? Yeah, They have yeah. to see that, and other staff have to see that as well. Mm. And that's where that openness comes back in again, isn't yeah. it? Like being open, this is how I'm oh. feeling because this has happened, but come on, we can we can work together to, to solve this. And I know perhaps it can't be compared, but sometimes – I will say to my children, you know, when I've, when I've had a, when I'm not feeling very well, you know, mm. when I'm really ill that morning, I'll just say, you know, I teach a year five, five classes. So, so yeah, everyone, I'm not feeling very well today. You might have to remind me to top up my water bottle and you might have to, you know, make sure I get outside at break time with you all and go yeah. for a nice long walk and, and things like that. And yeah, I think that openness and honesty is, is great. Um, Right. So, I mean, we, we, we've, we've covered quite a few um, terms, haven't we? Um, we've talked yes. about neurodiversity and neurodivergent. And yeah. 
these are, I have to be honest, kind of quite new um, terms yeah. to me. Um, and and so neurodiversity, my understanding is that it covers a wide spectrum that includes the autistic spectrum, dyslexia and social anxiety. And you've talked, you talk openly about the fact that you have ADHD, which will also mm-hmm. come under that umbrella of neurodiversity. Mm-hmm. Um, correct me if I get any terms wrong or anything. No, 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 but yeah, is, is that all okay? Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, as pe- as listeners might have um, gathered already, that we we wanted this conversation to focus around ADHD, yes. didn't we? So I suppose yes. if we rewind a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and if you could explain what well, what actually is ADHD and and how might it manifest? I mean, you have already explained in some way that it um, manifests, if that's the right word, um, yes. for for you in your in your life at, at work. But um, if there's anything else you'd like to add about, you know, a, a maybe a, a definition of ADHD and then anything else that you want to add about yes, your no. experiences with it. <laughs> I obviously had to write this down because I wanted to make sure I got this right. Um, so attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is ADHD. Um, and you can fall into three different categories. Mm. So we can go into the inattentive side or we can be the hyperactive slash impulsive side. Or we can have a combination of both. Um, it's neurodevelopmental condition. I always struggle with that word. It's all about how differently your brain grows and develops, and it is um, classified as a, a mental health condition. Um, so I've written down what traditionally are the symptoms, um, but I'm going to put a little caveat on the end of that. Um, now, traditionally, if you're on the inattentive side, it would be short attention span, forgetfulness, appearing not to listen, even though you, you probably are being poorly organized and, and and flitting from one thing to another. The hyperactive impulsive side is the, is the side where um, people think everyone sits. So where you put all your, your hyperactive boys, you know, into that little category, um, hyperactive impulsive. So fidgety, um, can't wait turn, uh, interrupts a lot, uh, generally talks a lot and, and, and little, um, can't really sense danger, which mm-hmm. is obviously a, a big issue for, to kids, well, for us, you know, for adults as well. But I think, <clears throat> yes, they, they are sort of the traditional symptoms. But I think the caveat I put on the end of that is about women and girls, is that we are, we, we, we just don't get diagnosed as much as men do because we mask. And yes, I am, I, as you can see, I'm completely unmasked now. Um, but I wasn't always like that. Uh, you know, at school, people, I'd say to, to kids, you know, I at school, I never said anything. You know, I would just sit there desperately hoping that someone wouldn't ask me a question and just trying to get through school um, without being noticed. Um, and never realising just how much hard work that was and how much um, damage I must have, have, have caused to myself. But it, that was how I coped. Um, but so we will, we're underdiagnosed because it's just, oh, She's a bit, you know, she's a bit hyper. She's a bit, she's just a bit daft, you know. And um, But it's explained away, and it's explained away quite often as just someone being anxious. Um, but obviously, so much more to it. But I think easier to recognise the traditional systems in boys than in girls, because we will go, um, we'll go, right, I don't want anyone to know about this this about me so I'm just going to hide it as much as I can from the world um so yeah that, and, and that's it really but I think 
and that's why I find that in my job, I'm trying more and more to spot the girls um, mm. earlier on. But I, I do find, and it's not just in my school, but sort of everywhere, that boys will be diagnosed a lot more, lot earlier than girls. It takes girls a lot further down the line for someone to go, oh, have you thought about? Um, because again, it's just, oh, they're very anxious. They might, they don't, you know, they, they don't feel like they want to come to school because. Um, and and uh, it's seen that girls tend to fall more on the inattentive side um, of things rather than the hyperactive side. Right. I'm on both, in case you hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you for, for clarifying some of those um those those points that was great and is there an element as well of perhaps that girls are, are masking it in the you know they're trying so desperately well just that boys are expected to be a bit more hyper and running yes. around and inattentive and that's okay but there is maybe this tr- traditional expectation that girls should be f- more focused than boys mm. and and that's um and that, yeah and then if they're not then there's something wrong but boys if they're not then that's fine you know that's just boys being boys perhaps is the phrase it's yeah. used and so i suppose it must be absolutely exhausting for yes. some girls and women that yes. are yeah i don't know am I, is that resonating yes. with you and if, I don't know. absolutely i have re- i wrote that down in fact when i was just thinking about what you know would be important to say i was thinking about what the, what the negative sides of this are because there are huge positives but yes, obviously there are a lot of negatives, and one is, um, it's abs- it's an absolutely unforgiving um, the fatigue mm. that's associated with this, the mental and physical fatigue, um, and it is stru- something that I con- will continue to struggle with because, as I said, you know, I, I struggle with switching off and finding what those boundaries are, um, and the difficulty is, of course, that. This job is all consuming for anybody. So a neurotypical person would find the teaching teaching at the moment to be completely exhausting. Now, it's all, it's like if if you think as a teacher, we answer about forty five billion questions every day, don't we? You never know, and you'll never know. We've been in primary what they're going to be, <laughs> um, and so you constantly go like juggling, you know, juggling things. And um, but yeah, it's it's. I I, honestly, I don't think I've got the words to describe it, which is unusual for me, but it's just so tiring. The problem you get is when I get home, you know, and think, you know, I think I'll I'll, I'll go to bed, I'll have an early night. I'm absolutely so exhausted and I can get to sleep. But then at three o'clock, it's like, bing, right, okay, right. You can get up now, Helen, because this is the time you're going to get your work started. Get up, okay. Three o'clock, oh no, it's time to get up. You know, don't need to eat. Just, just, just get on with your work. And I go, feel like i've got no control over that so it's uh as i say unforgiving the the, mm. the fatigue it's uh and it's not it's when you want to sleep you want to rest yeah. but part of your brain's going not the time to rest love you know it's time to get up you need to go and do the shopping or you need to i don't know you need to sit and doom scroll through social media for the next three hours and not be able to move to physically be stuck in your chair mm. and you cannot get out of that chair yeah. and it's uh it's it's a it's such a weird sensation because I think, get up, get up. You've been needing to go in the shower for two hours. You've been needing to go to the loo for three hours. Go, and it's just no. This part, this like sort of devil side of my brain is going, no, no chance. You're just <laughs> fully locked in, um, locked in, yeah. absolutely 
Yeah, and that's all right when I've got a big piece of work to do or an essay to do, which is something really interesting. But when it's something not, you know, you're just like, oh, give me a break here, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tiring, tiring, isn't it? Not that, not that physical tiring, but that mental exhaustion of, of thoughts flipping and flipping and flipping or being yeah. focused on the wrong thing. Well, yeah, wrong yeah. thing might not be the right word, but maybe not, not, not the most productive thing. So that's uh, one of the big, um, you know, Negatives or, or something yes. that is is difficult. Are there any other aspects that um, yeah, um, you as an adult, yeah, that is, think, is difficult? Sorry. No, do you know what? It's just that was perfect because I was going to say interrupting. <laughs> so one of the things that I do a lot and I and I irritate the life out of myself is I'll interrupt all the time. And I don't mean to. I don't mean to be rude at all. I'd be mortified if people thought I was rude. Um, and I know that that's an incredibly irritating thing that I do. So one, one of the things that I tried to do, because I thought, oh, I, I probably am coming across a bit rude and uh, I think I need to do something about that. So I tried to help myself out by trying not to butt in too much if I was in a meeting with a lot of people, except I ended up doing something even more irritating. So um, instead of going, uh, I want to say, and just sort of coming out with it, I just, go, I just sort of go like this. I just put my hand up. Uh, and I ended up being like one of the really enthusiastic kids. So someone will be in the middle of their killer line and I'll go, hum, hum, and sort of me, 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 you know, a bit like the donkey on Shrek, pick me. Um, and, and I know, and I know that, you know, that, that that's also incredibly irritating, but there is a little part of me that thinks I'm being polite. Um, so it, it, it's, it, it's something that I explain to the kids as well. And I, I'm, I always go, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And, and it's when you're talking to, students with ADHD and they're doing the same thing and it's a really good sort of teachable moment because you can go I can go oh I'm really sorry you know that like, I shouldn't have done that I should have waited for you to finish but you've got to then have that conversation of it isn't intentional either it's not like I want to butt in and stop you speaking mm. um but I yeah I think I think one of the things that it, it makes me think of is when I when students get a diagnosis um they quite often it's quite it's quite sort of sad in a way. They'll they'll say, I'm glad I've got a reason why I'm the way I am. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes will say to me, Can you please let my teachers know that I wasn't being naughty, but I know why I am the way I am. And it's uh lovely for them to to have a reason as to why, because you know, they don't want to have the as the boys, they don't necessarily want to have the people thinking of them as the class clown. You know, they they just want to be. They just want to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that is just one of the things that annoys me about myself. Um, but I'm afraid it's just something. <laughs> yeah, but I just have to put up with, and everyone else has to really. Um, and I mentioned the other thing was I mentioned about earlier about this idea of being very, very um, intuitive and perceptive. That's how I feel. Like we, we are. Um, but there's something called rejection-sensitive dysphoria. And actually, I've written about it um, on um, my Instagram or whatever I put it. <clears throat> and the word dysphoria meaning difficult to bear. So rejection-sensitive dysphoria is emotional dysregulation. And it's the and I've written this down as well. So it's the self-perception that you've not met the expectations of others or worse, your own expectations. Mm-hmm. And I think... That's the killer one. So I might sort of think, right, I am going to go home tonight and I'm going to write several paragraphs of my my um, my current essay. 
and then not do it and just really beat myself up about, well, you've made a right mess of this now. You know, you're going to be way behind. You're going to have to replan your whole time now. Um, so, and I think the under- we have to be aware of that extreme sensitivity that, and it's not, you know, you know, kids, adults, we have to be able to go through life experiencing setbacks, you know, and, and, and experience things we don't want to. Um, but there are, I always say there's a, when you have to tell someone things they don't want to hear or something that's going to be difficult for them to hear, there is a way of doing that. Um, so, and the thing about sensitivity in terms of rejection is it can be in, in quite an intense physical pain. You know, you feel, it, it's almost like a grief thing. You know, you feel really done in by it all. And sometimes it can trigger your fight, uh, flight or fight as well. Mm-hmm. So it might be sort of, I have to get out of here. And I've done that before, right? I, I've got to get out. I, this has just gone all wrong. I need to I need to get some fresh air and, and off I go. Um, and it's not exclusive to ADHD, um, but it's associated with it. But that was something I hadn't – I've done a lot of reading on that recently, and it was just something I hadn't really thought of a lot. But when I look back, I, I – yeah, <clears throat> the way I've, I've reacted to certain things and um, the knockbacks I've experienced in life, and sometimes – not even the, it doesn't have to be the big things. It can be little things as well that I just made up to a massive thing in my own head. Yeah. Um, so I don't want that to sound too depressing, but they are three things that I think are tough, are yeah. really tough to deal with. No, um, I, think that's, I think that's helpful yeah. to, to talk about it. And yeah, it is. That, yeah. 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 Um, but the, there's some wonderful things. And I am much more accepting of who I am now. I think than than I was in the past, um, and the the really good things about this are the hyper focus element, uh, that I- idea um, of being yourself and knowing that like in the classroom I will be myself. I demask. I actually, um, I think I always have. Apart from the uh, really early days, I think I just realised look, just be yourself in the classroom. You don't have to emulate anybody else. Um, so that th- that idea of having times when you really can focus on something uh, and sort of tick things off your list and get things done is really satisfying. Um, I, as part of that, um, and when I decided I was going to do a master's and I'm glad I did it, so it's child and adolescent mental wellbeing, um, I knew I was never going to be able to schedule my work like others might have. Mm. Um, and I know that I'll be leaving things to the last minute. So I sort of build in, build in a little plan around that. So if I know my next piece of work is due in on a Monday, right, that weekend's out because I am going to be spending it getting on with my work. Uh, and I think as well as that, it's the emotionally intuitive side of things, which I've said a few times, but we, I think I'm able to spot things a lot earlier, mm. you know, I scan the room and sort of you get the feeling of I can spot body language that perhaps others might not pick up pick up on. It doesn't have to be the students, it's in other it's in adults as well. Uh, and sort of are you all right? And and just having the not necessary confidence, but being able to go up to someone and go, You're not you're not yourself. Yeah, what you know, sort of what's happening here. Um and I think in terms of the good things that idea of, of demasking, because as a teacher, it doesn't matter how hard you try and put your mask in place. The kids see through it. Mm. Kids, you know, 
yeah, she's, you know, we know what you really like, miss. So if I went in and sort of went, okay, everybody, so I'm going to write the objectives on the board, and they'd go, what are you playing at? Because <laughs> normally you come running in, right, uh, what were we doing last lesson? Okay. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, and opening up, you know, I've said opening up a lot, we both have, but um, showing the kids your vulnerable side, and, and it's not something that everybody agrees with, I understand that, but I found that being very honest with, with my students um, has meant that they put in things in place to help me. Mm-hmm. And they notice when something's not right with me as well. Uh, and it helps. And I found that that's really helped build my relationship with my students. Um, they And the idea of actually being consistent with them as well, consist- as consistent as I can be, um, they are. They will come into me and they'll demask as well. So they sort of, whether that's get, getting upset or angry, you know, they'll go, they'll say, can I just tell you what, what is going on? And it's great. Because yes, you have you do have to you have to let it out. Yeah, yeah. And so, like the the cycle of support continues, doesn't it? Then, yeah. then, then knowing um, about you because you've been open with them, and they can support you, and then in turn you can support them. And then yeah, away yes. the world turns, which is the way it should be. Oh, great! And so you've given a really um, uh, a broad, I think, view <laughs> of of what it can be like. Yeah, you know, <laughs> as a teacher with ADHD, and the fact that yes, there are. Um, Things are tough, but there are also um, many, many positives, many, many plus sides. And I know that you, you've talked on social media about that it's certainly not a hindrance to your teaching ability or anything no. like that. Anything but, <laughs> I think is what I mean. No, it's, yeah, it, it, it's, um, I think, it, I don't know if it makes it any better. It certainly doesn't make it any worse, mm. um, but just... Just coming to terms with, with with knowing that that's the way I am. This is the way it's all always going to have to be. And actually, you know, I think we need to. Generally speaking, we need to try and do more for our neurodivergent children as well in school because um, it ha- it's always around our, what our neurotypical students do. This is the routine. This is 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 what how we're always expected to do things, and that's never going to happen for a lot of. Um, certainly a lot of the students I work with, mm. um, well, why aren't we doing it the way that is better for them? Mm. You know, and I get that that's hard because you've got, well, in, you know, thousands of children um, and and how feasible is it for the, that they all have an individual to plan, an individual timetable would be great in an ideal world. Um, but unless the government, you know, plows in bazillions of pounds, which is highly unlikely. Yeah, don't hold um, your breath. <laughs> I think we can only do the best with the resources that we've got. Exactly, yeah. That's what we're yeah. all trying to do in schools, isn't it? The best of the resources we've got, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. So bearing all of that in mind and your, mm-hmm. your experience and the fact that you are in a school working and you are also someone that is passionate about this and um, has, you know, read a lot around the subject and you offer a lot of tips don't you and and advice through social media through your blogs Mm -hmm. as well um Mm -hmm. so perhaps we can get down to some of those those tips and ideas i mean you've Mm -hmm. you've shared some already so fantastic (laughs) but i mean is there anything else you'd like to add you know if someone's listening that 
that perhaps ha- has a diagnosis know that they've got mm-hmm. ADHD or perhaps some of these things that we've spoken about is um, kind of ringing true for them or even and I'm sure I don't know if you agree with this that um, many of the tips that you might offer would just help anyone that is wanting to, yes. to focus better and, and perhaps manage themselves yeah. a little better I don't know what your thoughts are on that but um, please share away and yeah. any tips and ideas um I think, first of all, as as it, you know, as you said already, being as open as you feel you can be, because not everyone wants, you know, wants to be that open. Not everyone wants to share, and that's entirely up to them. They should never be forced to. Um, but being as open as you feel you can be, to me, has been a really good thing. Um, and I think important to set boundaries as well, you know, sort of like we talked about blocking time out and, and everything like that, just set your own boundaries. I would say if there is someone sitting there thinking, oh, that, that woman um, talks like me, she talks at a million miles an hour or she's fidgety or, you know, you sort of think, oh, that resonates. Um, I think the first thing to do is just read and find out more about what what is ADHD. And, and, and if you're a woman, look specifically at how the symptoms differ in women and the little things that, um, that, that, that go under the radar, definitely. Now, and the way you can do that is, and, and how I did it, is to engage with the ADHD community. And all I mean by that is if you are on social media, um, go on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and just have a look at ADHD women. Um, and there are lots of different, or if, I can't, oh yeah. So I'm at NeuroEducate um, on Instagram, and all the people that I follow are good are, are good people to follow as well. Um, and just ask questions because we'll talk, mm-hmm. you know, and we will support as well. Um, learning about your brain, learning about your brain is so important, it, and not just for this, for everything, you know, for it, um, how we handle our emotions and times of stress, and knowing what different parts of the brain do. For me. It's been it's been brilliant because I know what part of my brain is talking to me at different times. Um, I think most importantly, though, is to talk about it because the only way that we'll reduce the stigma around this is by making it as open as we possibly can. And I could be wrong, and I may might annoy a lot of people here, but I think there's still I think there is a difference, a big difference in terms of so the uh, uh, conditions that would be neurodivergent um, in terms of stigma. I think there's a difference there because to me, there's a difference if someone says they're dyslexic or dyspraxic. Yeah. That seems to be better accepted than if someone says I have ADHD or I have anxiety or I have, I have autism. And I think that comes down to understanding mm-hmm. um, and, and getting rid of the stereotypes. But to talk about it too, if you have got social media, ask someone, everyone is so warm and welcoming uh, on, in that sort of community and uh, there are charities out there that can help as well um, but reading reading about it reading about the symptoms and just going through and thinking you yeah, know that sounds like me and, and, and you won't hit all of them because there are going to be ones where you go yeah no I don't do that that doesn't necessarily mean you don't fit it just means that's something that doesn't apply to you yeah, um, yeah so that, that, that yeah that's sort of the main things really but it's just don't don't hide don't feel you've got to hide it you know, um, talk, just talk about it more. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, if you're feeling really brave, try to take that mask off mm. as well mm. because it's liberating. Um, whereas in the past, you know, I would sort of 
you know, years ago, I I, I would just uh, and not speak at all. You know, sort of no, no, don't don't show them your personality. Go to interviews. That would be another thing. Go to interviews and just be. I'd just be well, for want of a better word, miserable. You know, I look miserable because and not just not showing who I am. I was talking to one of my students today, um, one of my girls with ADHD, and she said, this is witty, because I said I was going to be coming and talking to you. So, Miss, just be yourself. Be 100% yourself. Yeah? Yeah. So t- show, them, show, show them your true self. And I thought, yeah, okay, I will. <laughs> oh, very wise words from a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you for, for sharing those. I think that's that's great. That's, that's, that's really great. And I, I don't know how good these are, but are they are, – Aren't there um, kind of questionnaires that you can take on the yes. internet? Are those yes. to be... um, some of them obviously can be a bit iffy, but the, um, yeah. the one that we used is used in school is the Connors questionnaire. Um, Connors questionnaire. But if um, somewhere like the ADHD Foundation's good, go to that and have a look at what they've got on there. Um, but it doesn't hurt, you know, what it doesn't hurt just to get a flavour of you find a, an online questionnaire. Uh, just have a look at it, you know, and, and see w- what you match up with. Yeah, and I suppose that's just a stepping it stone, is. isn't it? It's like yes. okay, right, and that that doesn't mean to say that you've kind of self-diagnosed no. and that's no. it, right? No, I definitely got it. But perhaps it's the 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 stepping stone on the path to right. Perhaps I need to go and see a specialist now, or or, or a doctor, and yeah. and and then because then I suppose you get the route into um, support and and that might be medication, could, mindset. Yes. Um, I, I don't know yeah, what your thoughts could be, are. It around. could be medication. It could be uh, therapy, counselling, something like that. Right. Um, coaching um, is a mm-hmm. good one. Coaching is really quite, it's becoming quite big in ADHD, particularly the female community. Um, and I think, and for me, I, you know, I feel like it's a, Threatening is probably not the right word, but a less – I feel like for, for me and for a lot of people with ADHD, it feels like we just don't have the time for this nonsense, right? I don't have the time to sit there and tell you about my life, right, about how, you know, what happened when I was a child. Just tell me <laughs> what I have to do. Um, so, yeah, coaching is, 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 uh, is something else that could be really supportive. Um. But yes, it, it's all about just finding what is the right pathway for you. Um, I think is it for women, if you um, if you're thinking about, I think you know I could have ADHD. Write it down. Uh, you know, it might take you a few attempts because you might get bored halfway through. But um, <laughs> sorry, the stereotypes are us. Um, but stop. You know, just stop and go back to it and ask people. You know, you can ask people who you're closest to. What do you think? Uh, and that was really good for me because. Um, my friend Pippa that I mentioned earlier was like, yeah, and the symptoms are there um, because it's hard to it's hard to look at yourself and, and it's also hard to think, um, you know, that's sort of getting your head around. Well, I'm in my 40s and I've got ADHD. That's something that 11-year-old boys have. How is that even possible? So, yeah, but I think write it down and, and uh, you know, go in there and be educated about it as well so you can – you're not just going yeah. in and going, oh, I think I might have this, but really know your stuff. Yeah, so you can yes. say, well, look, I've done some reading about it and and I can, I've spotted some of these things in myself and I've taken this questionnaire, whatever it is. And yeah, so you're kind of prepared. I like it, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's really yeah. good. Um, and what about um, 
just kind of day to day, is there anything, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything, but is there anything day to day that, you know, helps you um, function perhaps um, to the best yeah. of your ability? <laughs> um, for years, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't eat breakfast on a morning. And it's something that we say to kids all the time, isn't it? You must have your breakfast. So to me, part of my routine is I get up and I don't, I want to put my iPad on and get on social media or just do something mindless like that. But I do actually now do something more mindful, I should say, um, was I, I empty the dishwasher. Now, this is going to sound weird. So I empty the dishwasher, but I do it really purposefully. So I sort of right. your routine is you get up and you empty the dishwasher. And, and I don't hurry it. I just do it a bit at a time. And it, and it really helps me reset and really think, right, what are you going to do with your day and, and bring a bit of calm to the day? And then I have breakfast. And I'm still sort of really strict with myself in that. No, I won't sit at the iPad and do the doom scrolling thing. I will eat my breakfast and think about eating my breakfast, which sounds really boring and weird, but it's good. It is that part of that. Yeah, um, you know, this is how this is how you get your head straight for the day. Um, I switch off social media two hours, or I switch off computers and everything else two hours before bed. And it's something else, another tip that I would give um, parents as well is to just put a, a limit on that. Um, and exercise and fresh air, as I said earlier, mm. has, has become really important. I um, During the first lockdown, I did the couch to 5K. And then I enjoyed it so much that I did a half marathon last year. Oh, yeah. wow. Well and I have to say <laughs> that has transformed my – you know what? I really do think that transformed my mental health and like my my ability to just cope with my days um, because I would factor in when I was going to do my runs, you know, and just sort of really enjoy it. And I don't listen to anything. Uh, I don't take headphones. I just listen to my feet hit the floor. And that even if it's just 20 minutes, half an hour, it, it was my tw- it's my 20 minutes, half an hour. And I really, I really enjoy it. I love it. Being outside for me. Um, it's just, it's just great. It, it completely helps me reset. Um, yeah. I've been reading a lot about grounding recently. You know, like um, sort of being in touch with nature and walk around on on the grass with your bare feet. And at first, I'd be like, "Oh, this all sounds a bit of nonsense to me," but it's definitely something in it. it definitely, oh, for sure. being outside yeah. just is great. I could just forget about all my worries. Or do a bit of running. Do, you know, whatever just to, to try and take a mental break from it all, particularly with the job that we have, because you've just yeah. got, to, you've got to find a way to distance yourself from it. And especially yeah. with the children I work with and the job that I do, it's particularly all-consuming because you take things home with you and you sort of go, did I do that right for that child? Or what else could I, could you know, what, what else could I have done? But having to, you know, you do have to be ruthless about it and draw a line somewhere. Yeah, definitely the boundaries for sure. Yeah. No, I, I think all of those are very, very um, important <laughs> and powerful tips that you've just offered. And grounding is like one of those um, examples of when we put a fancy name to something that is basically, yes. yeah, just walking around yes. in bare feet. And I love doing that. Uh, and I challenge anyone to oh, yeah. I love it. Not enjoy yeah, walking around in the grass yeah. uh, when the sun is shining with your bare feet. And these are just things, it just makes us a bit more human, yeah. doesn't it? I think that's what it is. It's getting back to to our you know innate humanness. Ooh. And so you went from, just to clarify, you went from couch to 5K to a half marathon. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That's so good. <laughs> That's now, amazing. Anyone who knows me, so I'm not traditionally a runner's build. However, um, and I did get a lot of laughs from the kids going, what, you're doing a half marathon? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it started <laughs> off as, look, if you don't do something during this lockdown period, they're going to have to roll you out of your house to get you to work. So thought, right. And I yeah. did um, the first week where I think you only do about 30 seconds. I had to stop them. I had to stop and be sick. I'm sorry, it sounds dreadful, but I did because I just couldn't cope. And I, I, I thought, right, I'm quitting. I cannot do this. This is ridiculous. But uh, it became part of my daily routine and I just loved it. And I raised a lot of money for, I don't know if you've heard of them, a phasic charity. It's the Association for All Speech Impaired Children. Um, and I raised about a thousand, one and a half thousand pounds for them from the marathon um, and felt Oh, I cried at the end. I cried. It was just wonderful. I was very, well, very well, slow. <laughs> but I was, it doesn't matter. I was never in it for the speed. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, it was a great sense of achievement. That is fantastic. Mm. I think that's inspiring. Just that, that <laughs> one little story, that one little 30 second story. Honestly, it is. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so I guess that, that running, how it can give you that structure, yes. can't it? And that sense of achievement. Yeah. And even though you want to quit, you get on with it and you focus. I love the fact that you said that you don't take out your headphones. So much of what you said actually is, you know, I, you've got, we've got a lot in common. I think <laughs> the fact that you go out running without headphones, I do the same. Yeah. I love podcasts and I love music, but when I run, I just want oh, to, like you said, hear my feet hit the floor and hear the birds yes. singing. It might sound a bit woo woo, but I just want to be there. Like, why would I distract? And also I think when you know about the benefits of mind wandering and just letting your thoughts run away with themselves, then, yeah. then why would you distract yourself all the time? We need that, those opportunities for mind wandering, don't we? Absolutely. It's so important. It's just something we don't do enough of these days, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah, just, yeah. I, I never thought I'd see the day when I was first of all running <laughs> and secondly, um, removing all devices and removing contact with the rest of the world. And, just wanting to be on my own, do my yeah. little jog, um, and complete. It's 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 phenomenal how you can reset in that little bit of yeah. space you have for yourself. It's almost like yeah. you leave everything behind you. Mm. Um, but it's yeah, it's just it really it really changed changed my life. I, I, I in some ways it did definitely did lots for my mental health. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And and just before we start to wrap up, mm -hmm. the, also the fact that the thing that we have in common, as you said, about getting up and, do, and unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> and I have to say, I do something very similar. Honestly, Helen, I wake up and I... I'll maybe wash the dishes or or I'll prepare breakfast, but I'll do something that isn't just grabbing my phone yes. straight away and kind of do something where it doesn't take much mental um you know, efforts. That's right. But it's just allowing myself to wake up a little bit and then maybe I'll move into I might do, you know, some meditation mm. or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it, it just I don't want to get up and don't go straight to that activity like reading a book or something. I want to give myself some time. And so yeah. why not do something like that? Like a, just a, a calm activity that you don't really th need to think about. But at the same time, like you said, you're being very mindful. Mm. So I think that must work, work in two ways and that you've got a mindful activity that you're being slow and purposeful about and just completely focused. Yeah. But also it's it's pushed out a, a maybe not so useful habit yes. like just scrolling through the social media or turning the news straight on, yes. which is isn't, isn't, isn't doing us any favours. Exactly, <laughs> no. exactly. Um, so no, I, I, 
I think those are great. I think those are great. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay. Well, I think we've been speaking for over an hour now. Yeah. It's The time's gone so it has, quickly. Yes, definitely. I would love talking to you, honestly. <laughs> um, so there's always a couple of questions that I like to finish off uh-huh. on. Now, what, one of them is um, at the end of the episode, we, we, uh, I like to ask um, my guests their three tips to thrive, you know, their three top tips and so these might be things that you've already mentioned or you might want to add you might want to broaden it out and just speak in general or you might say sam i've already given you given you loads of tips so let's move on and that's absolutely fine as well (laughs) but i'll hand over to you i think i mostly have which would be your brain open up talk to reduce um the stigma um being um not worrying about being a bit selfish with your time um Mm. and I think as we've been talking, I've been thinking about it is about the way we talk to ourselves as well. So from a young age, being very aware that everything I said to myself was negative, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Um, And now really, really trying to turn that around. I have a friend who religiously, um, and I used to laugh at her about, um, about this, but now I don't. She, every day she says three positive things to herself, but in the mirror, so she'll go to the mirror mm-hmm. and, and say those three things out loud. And I used to go, you're stupid. <laughs> but now like, oh, actually. Um, but yeah, being, trying not to be critical of yourself mm-hmm. uh, is is uh, is really important. Uh, just easier said than done. We always, all of us just go to the negative. Um, but it, it is easier said than done, but it, it's really important. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it can sound a bit woo-woo there, standing in front of the mirror. <laughs> but I think it has some utility, doesn't it, and some power. And just to override override that negative self-talk that for some reason we've all just got in us. Why Why do yeah. we talk so it's bizarre, nastily isn't it? to ourselves? And yeah. the thing is, we all, you know, I one of the things I say to my girls is, oh, you know Wonder Woman, right? Wonder Woman has the bracelets. Um, I said, when someone says something negative to you or you want to say a negative thing to yourself, just imagine that you're shooting the bullets away like she does with the bracelets. You know, this is not important. This is not going to matter in a couple of weeks' time. I don't care. You know, it's 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 that sort of thing. And and I, we're not saying that we don't take things to heart. And I, I've talked about, yes, I'm incredibly sensitive about a lot of things. Um, but just, you know really caring about caring about yourself as much as you do everybody else um yeah just so that that self-talk is uh is important yeah yeah and that's exactly it and i've i've heard it put um talk to yourself like you would a loved one yes talk to yourself like you would your friend or family if they'd if they'd have made a mistake or something like that or if they were feeling low how would you talk to them you wouldn't say yeah you're right you're worthless how could you do that you're so stupid you would be kind and supportive so why don't we talk to ourselves yeah no i i think that's a another great (laughs) um little little bit of wisdom you've left us with with, uh, for sure (laughs) and so the final question that I always ask guests is what is that one lesson that you'd wish you would have been taught as a child? Um, I think I've talked about the brain a lot, but I think mm. at school it would, then, you know, yeah, a million years ago, I've already revealed how old, old I am, but it doesn't matter. But right, you know, you might learn about the brain in science, but you never learn anything else about it. And we just, I suppose we didn't have that level of knowledge then. But 
something like that would have been good um, to understand why, you know, what part of, of our brain does what and why we think the way we do and, 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 you know, and that sort of thing. And I think being able to speak about your feelings as well, we're much better now um, as educators to to talk to kids about how they're feeling, where, uh, uh, you know, when I was at school, it was, you just wouldn't dare, you wouldn't dare speak up. You just, you would sit there and get on with it, you know, open the book, write it down, and that's it. And school was just about learning and the world has changed and school's not just about learning anymore. We've got to look after the whole child. Um, so I think, yes, being able to be open about how you're feeling um, was, would have been something I would have loved to, you know, I think would have been very important. And perhaps, uh, you know, certainly you know, not, my symptoms wouldn't have been picked up then because you just, that wasn't even a thing then. Um, but maybe other issues like anxiety or something else could have been picked up earlier yeah so yes i I completely agree yeah yeah (laughs) we we need this we need to be teaching our children this this Mm -hmm. emotional literacy understanding thoughts feelings emotions naming them being open with them um understanding that life has an ebb and flow doesn't it we're all on this roller coaster of highs and lows Mm. and, and let's talk about that no absolutely okay right well, thank you so much for, for joining me, Helen. It's, it, honestly, it's been a real yeah, pleasure. I've really, really thank enjoyed you. No, no, thank you. Um, where, where can people, people that have um, tuned in, where can they connect with you if they want to connect with you on social media, website, that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I think either on Instagram or Twitter the most. Um, my mm. Instagram is at neuro underscore educate. And now I'm going to forget my Twitter thing. It's at Helen, hang on. Helen, A-W underscore send. That's right. <laughs> well, you never you never tag yourself into anything, do you? So you it's forget. true, it's true. Well, I'll put it in the, the yeah, show notes. Yeah, anyway. I'll fine, put yeah. the links in. But yeah, talk, anyone can talk to me, as you can see. I quite like a chat. You seem talkative, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, great. Right, thank you so much again. And I really look forward to, to chatting with you again soon. Yeah, more than welcome. Well, what what a pleasure it was to talk to Helen. This was the kind of conversation that this podcast is all about. Talking to someone who has real experience and knowledge in a particular area and distilling all that down to offer actionable advice for you, the audience. I think Helen shared some great tips and pieces of advice that almost everyone can benefit from. Her points about educating ourselves around ADHD and other areas of neurodiversity, and then if needed, taking steps to find support and or offer support were particularly important. If you enjoyed our conversation, please do get in touch with me and Helen and let us know. Share the episode with friends, family and colleagues. And if you are enjoying the Teach Strong Talks podcast, then please support the show by clicking on the follow button on whatever app you're tuning in from and hitting the like button on this episode. You can even leave a review on Spotify and Apple if you'd like to. Right, well, thank you for joining me today and I look forward to connecting with you soon.